When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. I filter through the garbage, the media hype, the lies, and take you directly to the truth. This is my recipe for thought gumbo. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Well, good morning and happy Friday. It is October 23rd, and we're just less than two weeks from the November 3rd presidential election. But it's the end of the week edition of the Truth Hurts program, and I'm still your host, Steve Z, until someone better removes me from the chair. And I'm just happy to have made it to yet another weekend. How's she going, eh? Uh, pretty good, because it's Friday, eh? Thank God it's Friday. It's Friday, it's Friday, it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Thank God it's Friday. It's Friday, it's Friday, it's Friday. What? It's Friday. What? Thank God it's Friday. Come on. It's Friday, it's Friday, it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Sorry, gang, I just have to get that out of my system. Now let's get down to our Friday business. There was a presidential debate last night, and aside from the lies of the left, the totally expected come on mans and nervous guilty laughter from Joe Biden and a two against one interruption fest led by the liberal leftist NBC moderator Kristen Welker, I think it was actually a much better debate than the first one. And we'll be back to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly surrounding last evening's 90-minute biased slugfest right after this. There are over 850,000 podcasts online. They all suck. Except this one. This one does not suck. This podcast is cool, hip and totally with it. This is the Truth Hurts program. It is available on the following podcasting platforms. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and CastBox. Or simply type Steve Z The Truth Hurts into your web browser and follow the links to our program. We thank you for listening. And I want to thank my digital butler for that wonderful promo. As I said before the break, last evening was an evening of expected partisanship, a display of shameful, anticipated help from the moderator for the Democrat candidate, and a 90-minute useless waste of the time of the American people. 
And I say that because this close to the election, if you have not made up your mind as to who you wish to vote for based on ideology, on fact, on history, on precedent, on policy, then either your head has been buried in the sand like Limu the Emu, or you've been living in a basement like Joe Biden. There are really very few who could truly say they are undecided, unless, of course, they're mentally ill or have literally been living media-free. But I can't even say that because lots and lots of Amish people wish to vote for Donald Trump. And they're media-free. But I digress. Last night, the two presidential contenders faced off in what was more a civil exchange than the last time before a very biased NBC anchor who moderated the debate in a much more controlled fashion than the hack Chris Wallace did on the first showing earlier this year. Although Miss Welker's apparent better control did make for a more civilized event, the producers, quick to cut off Mr. Trump's microphone at exactly 1 minute 59.8 seconds, well, they were not as diligent when it came to cutting Joe Biden's mic. One of Joe Biden's two-minute uninterrupted responses went on for two minutes and eight seconds. But hey, who's counting, right? With lots of help from Welker, anytime Trump was getting the upper hand, the evening was as biased as expected against the incumbent president. And the questions asked? Well, they were obviously targeted to put Mr. Trump on the defensive, just as we predicted, just as would be expected. Joe Biden looked tired, worn out, bedraggled the moment he strolled onto the stage, carefully orchestrating the removal of his black mask as he approached his podium, and a well-rehearsed scowl directed towards Mr. Trump, who came out without a mask, which was later a point of contention when Biden tried unsuccessfully to pin the entire blame for the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019 on Donald Trump instead of on the Chinese where blame belonged. In fact, Trump didn't need a mask because he has already been exposed to, had and suffered from COVID-19 and has recovered. And as he pointed out during the broadcast, he is immune. He doesn't need to wear a mask, at least for a period of between four months and forever. This is the Truth Hurts program. Though Mr. Trump was more restrained, more civil, he did get in his jabs against Gropey Joe, who, by the end of the short 90-minute affair, appeared as if he, Joe Biden, was really ready to have the nurses wheel in his wheelchair, give him a warm cup of milk and another dose of Adderall. The first dose obviously wore off around the 45 to 50 minute mark, where Joe began to stammer and stutter and mix up his numbers, as he is famous for doing. When those focus-type drugs wear off in mid-performance, Joe, it shows, and it showed badly for you last night. Biden began the evening like a person on Adderall, you know, a mind-altering chemical that keeps your mood straight and your eyes open, never blinking. Yeah, Joe rarely blinked, 
and he would drone on in monotone like a robot programmed to say certain pre-rehearsed phrases. But later in the evening, as the drugs wore off, again around that 45 to 50 minute mark, he began to blink his eyes faster and faster, often rushing several words together in barely coherent sentences, mumbling, fumbling, bumbling, and stumbling as he often does when he's not drugged up. He often repeated one-lines over and over and over like a vinyl record with a skip, 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 skip. Those of you who are younger won't get that reference. As usual, just like all Democrats, when Joe Biden was backed into a corner with facts presented by President Trump, he did what I call the Democrat guilty chuckle. You know, that full grin, that laugh, that little chuckle designed to make people think that whatever is said by Donald Trump is just funny, so it can't be true, right? That shit-eating grin he does, that Camel Toe Harris does, that Barack Hussein Obama does, they all do it. And it seems to work for ignorant Democrats. It's truly like a dog whistle for them, and I hate using that phrase. If someone hits a Democrat with a fact, you know, the truth or anything damaging, it's an automatic reflex to break into that little sneer, that little crap-eating grin, that little toothy smile, followed by either a head shake or a, come on, man, or Joe Biden's favorite, that's not true, that's not true, that, that, that's, that's not true, that's, that's not, that's not true, that, that's not true, even though it is true. Hey, Joe Biden, sometimes the truth hurts. That, that's not true. That's not true. That, that, that's not, that's not, not true. This is the not yet award-winning Truth Hurts program with your non-award-winning host, Steve Z. We all could have been drunk as hell last night if we'd have made a drinking game where you do a shot of crown every time Joe says, come on, and you chug a beer every time he says, that's not true. Hell, we'd have all been smashed in the first 30 to 45 minutes. Some of the political pundits of Joe Biden are claiming he won the debate last night because he, quote, laid out a plan for the future of America, unquote. I heard him lay out a bunch of generalizations, a bunch of repeated one-liners, but not a single actual plan was ever proposed by Joe Biden. I almost tossed the remote at the television when Kristen Welker asked Joe Biden for his specific, detailed plan regarding foreign interference in our elections and how he would directly combat it if he were the president. Biden just said repeatedly, I'm going to have to do this. I know it's offensive. Popping his peas on the microphone every time he said, there'll be a price to pay. Price to pay, a price to pay. He kept saying there'll be a price to pay, a price to pay, a price to pay, over and over and over again, popping his peas like an inexperienced chump at a third grade spelling bee. A price to pay, a price to pay. Oh, it drove me nuts. Over and over. And over again, he popped his peas with a price to pay and not a single plan, not one strategy, not one actual answer to Welker's question. Joe Biden, by the way, has been speaking professionally into microphones 
for 47 years in government, and he still doesn't know how to handle the 16th letter of our alphabet when talking into a microphone? Come on, man! The debate omitted some questions that the voters should have been entitled to hear about, but the evening's orchestrated pro-Biden festival, led by a leader of the liberal left media in Kristen Welker, chose to ask pointed questions designed to put Donald Trump on the defensive all night long. Personally, I think that Donald Trump handled himself quite professionally and presented a polished performance, politely professed poignant points of view, and pulled off a victory in a debate that literally means nothing in regards to the outcome of this year's election. Nothing at all. By the way, Joe Biden, if you're listening, and I know you're not, I just said personally, Trump handled himself quite professionally and presented polished performance politely professed poignant points of view and pulled off a victory in a debate that literally means nothing in regards to the outcome of the election. And I didn't pop a single P, not a single P popped. So if you need some lessons, some professional speech lessons on how to conduct oneself when one is speaking before a microphone, gropey Joe, my rates are reasonable and you and your Secret Service detail know how to contact me. Anywho, and back to the topic at hand. Unfortunately, with less than two weeks to go, I would venture that if every American voter was 100% honest, they would admit that they have already made up their minds long ago about their choice for president and that there are likely less than 1% of the nation that can truly say that they are undecided. Did Trump's demeanor possibly sway a couple of never-Trumpers to perhaps come back to the conservative fold? Perhaps, but likely not. Because when you get it in your craw that you're against someone like Donald Trump, nothing, even the demise of a nation, will twist your mind back to reality to the realization that things were indeed much better under Donald Trump than they would be under gropey Joe Biden, who for eight years served at the feet of the Massa, Barack Hussein Obama, and did absolutely nothing good for the American people. Those never-Trumpers are hell-bent on making sure he doesn't get re-elected because most of them are very secure in their finances and don't have to worry about anything. I think it was a little bit too little, too late, to actually sway a large number of voters either way. But I watched, I endured, and I took notes so that I could present my findings to you, the Truth Hurts audience. This is the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. We are broadcasting from Studio 63 in Bayou Country on studio equipment that was salvaged from a 1960s-era Civil Defense Command post with a hard-line connection. We are connected to Ma Bell, so let's hope the rats haven't eaten through the wiring and we're still on the air. Here's your host, Steve Z. On the topic of foreign relations, I think Trump hit a home run, especially after Biden attempted to speak ill of Kim Jong-il and North Korean relations. I think that Donald should have pointed out that during Biden-Obama's eight years, 
just exactly how many wars they got us into, brought us deeper into, and failed to pull us out of. Not a single one, by the way. I like the fact that Trump smiled a Cheshire cat smile when he pointed out the fact that Obama had warned him at the transition meeting at the beginning of his administration, of which Gropey Joe was not there, by the way. And Obama pointed out the fact that North Korea was our biggest threat and that the war with them was inevitable. He was wrong. It was not inevitable. In fact, no wars, not a single one, not a single armed conflict has begun under Donald Trump. And he's actually brought more troops home and ended more foreign conflicts than any president in the past 100 plus years. I think Donald Trump should have looked into the camera, told the American people that for the first time in over a century, during a complete four-year presidential term, America did not go to war once. No new war means that no new dead body bags come in from war. No new war means that our young men and young women, our heroes of the armed services, did not have to put their lives on the line Leadership kept foreign nations at bay, kept conflicts to minimal and non-existent levels, and fostered in the first four-year peace for America's military in over 100 years. No Korean conflict, no Middle East conflict, no entanglements with China or Russia or this Astan or that Astan. No wars in the desert sand, no war on the ocean, no war in the air, no war in the swamps. Peace for a full four-year presidential term. And then Trump missed a golden opportunity to talk about Middle East peace, which has been the gold ring sought after by every president over the last hundred years. And Trump's foreign policy accomplished this. Mideast peace. Not Obama. Not Bush 1, not Bush 2, not Clinton, not even Reagan. Donald Trump accomplished this. Trump's other missed opportunity, which disappointed me, was his lack of focus on actual numbers and actual plans for the next four years. He missed the chance to be much more direct and pointed on the subject of Hunter Biden's laptop which the FBI has, and the fact that the story was corroborated by his co-conspirators, one of whom sat in the audience at the debate last evening. He let Joe get by with that stupid grin, that come on, man, and those that's not true on too many occasions. But it wasn't all Trump's fault. Welker interrupted the president each and every time that the president brought up the topic of Hunter Biden's shady dealings, of the Biden family's unethical, immoral, illegal dealings. She didn't do this just once. No, 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 no. Not twice. She did it each and every time the subject was brought up by the president. Every time he brought it up, Welker jumped in to interrupt and change the topic every single time. 
Thank you for carving out a little time to listen to this program. I hope it was as good for you as it was for me. Trump could have, should have, and probably would have mentioned the actual factual information on the Wuhan China novel coronavirus 2019, better known as the Kung Fu Wuhan flu. But he got caught up in being the Donald. He should have been more pointed in stating bullet points such as, I shut down travel from China. You said it was xenophobic. While I was managing the novel, which means new and never before seen, Joe, that virus that was never before seen, never before in the history of our country, you and Nancy and Chuck and your party was busy trying to impeach me for foreign allegations while I was shutting down travel from China. I was acquitted, Joe. You know what that word means, Joe? It means I was found not guilty, Joe. While I was ordering companies like General Motors and Ford to make respirators and ventilators because Democrat mayors and governors like those in California and New York failed to do their job in preparing for a pandemic, your party was telling people, come on down to Chinatown and it's safe to walk around LA and San Francisco. And they weren't wearing masks. While I was directing two Navy massive hospital ships to bail out New York and California, your party and you were telling the American people that I wasn't doing enough. I did more than all Democrats put together, Joe. While you were blasting your rhetoric all over the media, I convened a White House coronavirus task force. I enlisted support from so-called experts like Dr. Fauci, who, by the way, was telling everyone in America to not wear a mask for the first two or three months. It's on video, it's on audio, it's a fact. So I was following the science. I was following the leaders of the medical world that said, don't wear a mask. It's a waste of time to wear a mask. I followed the science and I followed the experts' opinions. And by the way, Joe, weeks later, the expert Dr. Fauci changed his tune 180 degrees, and then suddenly, everyone's supposed to wear a mask. You see, Joe, that is when I began to be skeptical of the so-called experts, of the so-called science. When science uses words like consensus and don't even know what the word means, because there were just as many scientists on the other side of the issue as there were on your side, Joe. When they tell you one thing one day, and they do an about-face the next day, Joe, any reasonable person would become suspicious, Joe. And you should know all about saying one thing one day and doing something completely the opposite the next day, Joe. You should know all about that one, Joe. We have you on video, Joe, looking a little girl in the eye, telling her to look you in the eye. And you told her to mark my words. You were going to end fracking and end fossil fuels. Don't, 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 don't shake your head. Don't say that's not true. It's on video for America to see. You can't hide behind the lie, Joe. You told her, look me in the eye. Mark my words. You were going to end fracking and fossil fuels. Then, in your very next public speech that you gave, you lied to the fine oil and gas workers and you promised them you would not end fracking. Your lies have caught up with you, Joe. They've caught up. So I guess the American people need to know once and for all tonight, Joe, are you going to stop fracking and kill the lifeblood of our oil and gas industry? 
kill the lifeblood of our economy, Joe? Are you going to stand here tonight and tell the American people what your actual plans are and not just pay them some lip service, Democrat politician talking point, Joe? I think the American people deserve to know, Joe. Not like two weeks ago, where we have you on tape telling a reporter that the American people do not deserve to know how you feel about court packing, Joe. Or have you forgotten that too? Your lies are coming back to bite you, Joe. And they're coming back like never before seen in the history of our country, Joe. Your memory is failing you, Joe. But unlike those Americans you claim to care about with regard to health care, Joe, you are a retired senator who lived off the government payroll for 47 years. And you, Joe, you get the best health care in the world, 100% paid for by those hardworking Americans you claim to care about. Those citizens forced to buy into the failed Obamacare system that you helped to create. You don't have to wait in a long line, Joe, for basic bottom line care by a failed Obamacare nightmare that you created. You don't have to wonder if there are better options out there, Joe, because the taxpayers will pay for your top end, no copay, no deductible, fully covered for any and every test you want or need. The care that senators receive as a perk for simply showing up. But you know the worst part, Joe? Your friends, those Democrats in the Senate, they didn't even bother to show up for a vote today in the Senate. Like a bunch of spoiled, rotten children who want to take their ball and go home, your Democrat Senate cohorts got up and left what they claim to be one of the most crucial votes in our nation's history for a Supreme Court justice. They quit. They took their balls and they went home. And they your Democrat Senate buddies who didn't have enough respect for the American people to stand up for their beliefs and didn't show up to vote on a Supreme Court nomination? Yeah, Joe, those Democrat Senate buddies of yours will still get better health care for the rest of their lives at the expense of taxpayers. They won't have to pay a deductible or a copay, and they won't have to stand in line. You see, they don't have to live under the lies of Obamacare. America, you remember those lies? I'd have looked right in the camera if I was Donald Trump and said, do you remember the lies that this guy, Joe Biden, and Barack Obama said directly into the camera? Like your doctor, keep your doctor? A lie. Like your plan, keep your plan? Another lie. Healthcare premiums will go down by $2,500 per year per person? A complete, utter lie. Those premiums went up, Joe. They went up and up and up, and you guys did not care. You wanted it to fail so you could usher in true, socialized, single-payer medicine. You guys get free, top-notch health care for life, paid for by those forced to deal with the unconstitutional individual mandate, which, by the way, I got repealed. Me and my administration, Joe, we did this. We made it so that if a person chooses to keep their doctor and their own health plan, they didn't have to pay the Obamacare extortion penalty. We did this, Joe, not you. You've done nothing in 47 years but collect money from the taxpayers. You've done nothing for 47 years, Joe. And speaking of 47 years, do you remember way back to 1994, Joe? Of course you don't. 
If it isn't on your teleprompter, you wouldn't remember what you had for breakfast today, Joe. And I'm truly sorry. I'm sorry that your party and your family have put you here in your condition. I'm sorry you're being forced to play the part of the Democrat puppet, the party Pinocchio, a stand-in for who they really want as their next president, Camel Toe Harris. That's who they really want, Joe, not you, some broken-down senile man. Just like the Democrats who wanted Ginsburg to cling to a cancer-ridden suffering at the end of her life where she could just hopefully hang on until after the election, you too, Joe, are just hanging on until after the election. And then they will turn on you and they will eat you alive. Even Nancy Pelosi has begun the process of removing you from office before the election. Because shortly after you take the oath, Joe, if you win, and I pray to God you don't, they will find a reason to either impeach you for your illegal dealings with your son and your brothers, or they will declare you mentally unfit suddenly, and you will be out. You will be dropped like a used condom on prom night, and Camel Toe Harris will be the new president. And if she survives, which is doubtful, because, you know, killery, then Nancy Pelosi will become the president. Joe, I want to tell you something, and I want to be honest with you. I, Donald Trump, do not need to be the president for the next four years. But America needs me to be the president for the next four years. They don't need you, Joe. You need to win to finally convince yourself that after three or four failed attempts to sit in the Oval Office as president, you finally made it. I did it on the first try, Joe, and I'm not even a politician. I'm a successful businessman, Joe. You're a career politician, a partisan hack with three or four failed attempts at the big chair. So you used your position as number two under Obama to garner multi-million and even billion dollar foreign relations deals to provide people access to you while you sat in the second chair to Barack Hussein Obama. That's what I'd say if I were Donald Trump. We'll continue in just a moment. Giving you all the ammunition you need to combat the non-informed liberals you meet every day. Steve Z, your quartermaster, delivering the ammo you need, just when you need it. Welcome back. Trump accurately pointed out the fact that he did prevent up to 2 million coronavirus-related deaths at the beginning of the novel coronavirus pandemic. Biden, of course, said, that, that, That's not true. That, that's, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Sorry, Joe, but those are the facts, and they are indisputable, according to science and the experts. Biden admitted that he will kill the oil and gas industry if he is elected president. That means literally up to millions of people in direct and ancillary oil and gas support positions will be unemployed. But don't worry, he's thinking about finding a way to find them jobs making solar panels or something. Trump missed the opportunity to point out the fact that the process of manufacturing solar panels and wind turbines and their related equipment actually create more CO2 then their usage will curtail over the lifetime of those products. 
The amount of oil used in a wind turbine's gear set is proof of that fact, aside from the ever-growing numbers of wind turbines leaking oil and outright dying in the fields, literally. I had the privilege of driving through wind country a couple of years ago, and I saw some of those wind turbines. During my travels, I spoke with farmers who lease small sections of their farmland, their pasture land, to those wind turbine generating electric cooperatives. And many of them said that they leak oil all over the field and that they have to pay large cleanup penalties. But that doesn't matter to Democrats. Remember, it takes hundreds of gallons of oil to properly lubricate those giant spinning blades. Now, I did think Trump was a little silly when he pointed to birds dying. There have been lots of dead birds now who die hitting those wind turbines, but I don't think that was a point that I would have wasted time making because it gave Joe Biden an opportunity to display that shit-eating grin and that come on, man attitude. Can you just imagine for a moment the slaps to the foreheads of liberals and leftists all around America last night when Biden pointed out the fact that he beat all of the other Democrat contenders? All of them? That's like saying that you're going to brag about being the fattest guy at the belly bucking contest or bragging that you were the best of the worst karaoke singers at a drunken strip club. Biden looked directly into the camera and made wild claims that cops make six or seven or eight dollars an hour. Nothing could be further from the truth. Police officers make far greater than that, and they should. Biden should have pointed out some other group of minimum wage people, like the Whopper floppers at your favorite burger joint. Minimum wage is intended to be an entry-level job, not a career choice, not a lifelong support mechanism. In fact, when Kristen Welker asked Biden how his proposal to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour might affect and hurt small businesses, Joe Biden got that deer-in-the-headlights look, that look of, how dare you, or, hey, I didn't see this one coming in my pre-debate sneaky cliff notes. He appeared confused, as if he didn't understand the question. And then he said this blunder, quote, we're going to have to bail them out too. We should be bailing them out now, these small businesses. We've got one in six of them going under. They're not going to be able to make it back. No one should work two jobs. One job, be below poverty, and no evidence that when you raise the minimum wage, businesses go out of business. Trump shot back at the minimum wage, saying it should be a state option because Alabama is different from New York. New York is different from Vermont. And President Trump would be correct in that statement. Finally, someone with the balls to tell it like it is. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. And as I said earlier, Trump tried to tie Biden to those foreign shady deals, you know, the Hunter Biden laptop in the hands of the FBI that point directly to the fact that Joe Biden is the guy, the big guy, getting up to 10% in the kickbacks for simply introducing a foreign business leader to Joe Biden in an off-the-books meeting. Biden quickly tried to shift the blame to some foreign bank account that the president had in China. An account, by the way, Joe, 
that he closed more than a year before even considering running for president way back in 2015. That's when the China account was closed, Gropy Joe. Nice try, and as usual, fail. Then Biden tried to tie Trump to the 545 illegal immigrant churin being held at our modern, clean, medically supervised border detention centers because they got here illegally. He forgot to mention, of course, that those nasty cages that he and Obama built during their eight years in the White House were used during their eight years in the White House. But don't worry, kids. Donald Trump did mention it several times. However, Kristen Welker managed to interrupt the president each and every time he mentioned the Obama-Biden-built cages. Hey, it was a nice try pounding your feeble fists onto the podium there, Joe Biden, trying to garner sympathy for 500 illegal immigrant kids. Listen, I'm not anti-sympathetic, but in the grand scheme of things, 545 children in our modern detention centers, not the Obama-built cages, are probably far better off now than they would be in the hands of parents who don't even have the decency to come looking for their children. Parents who either no longer care about them or parents who are dead from their own illegal dealings and attempt to drag themselves back across a border again in a foreign land where we have no business interfering. Yes, that's small tamales, Joe Biden, compared with the tens of thousands of criminal illegal aliens, drug runners, human traffickers, mules, kidnappers, murderers, rapists, thieves, and other criminals that were pouring into our country like they were during the open border Biden-Obama administrations. And Donald Trump accurately pointed out the fact that those illegal border crossings have all but diminished to nothing. Of course, Democrats will say it's because they don't want to come to the Wuhan, China-infested America, but they have the China virus down there too. I really enjoyed the exchange where Trump accurately pointed out that the catch-and-release illegal alien criminals rarely show up for their hearings. It is a fact, Gropy Joe, and it is a reality. Rarely do they show up, except for the very few who really are here seeking true asylum and not just looking for some upward mobility chance to get into America, a chance to come here and break additional laws. Remember, each and every one of those people who illegally cross our borders are committing a crime the moment they cross the border illegally. He should have pointed out the definition of the word illegal to Joe Biden. Illegal, Joe, means they are violating one of our laws. Crossing a border illegally, Joe, means they are violating one of our most basic laws, our immigration laws. And if they're willing to violate that law, it stands to reason that they will continue to break our other laws. Criminal, illegal, immigrants do not show up for hearings in court. Joe, did I say it slowly and succinctly enough for you to understand, Joe? And don't you just love how Joe Biden rolled Barack Hussein Obama under the bus? Not once, 
not twice, but several times. It tickled my nethers to hear Biden roll the former president under that bus and then back up over him. Every time Trump mentioned a failed Obama-Biden policy, Joe would jump out there and go, that wasn't me, that wasn't me, that was Barack Obama. I was just the vice president. He was the president. Oh, it was indeed a magical moment. And back to that minimum wage question, that exchange might be considered to be Biden's biggest screw-up of the evening as he appeared to initially completely miss the point of Welker's question. That moment also played to Trump's larger economic message, which his allies have practically been begging him to highlight here in the late stages of this year's campaign. Yes, Joe Biden was completely off his game several times during the evening, so Welker quickly changed the topic. It was obvious the Adderall was wearing off for gropey Joe. Recipe for success. A hundred pounds of truth, a hundred pounds of common sense, a dash of quick wit and sarcasm, and a pinch of political incorrectness. This is the Truth Hurts program with your 200-pound chef, Steve Z. Some liberal analysts say that Biden was on his best game when it came to race relations. He delivered dad-joke-style one-liners that would make Henny Youngman cringe, like he would shut down the virus, not shut down the country. But he has shut down the country, and he's not put forth a clear proposal to shut down the virus. Oh, sure, he shook his little COVID-filled mask at the camera a couple of times. Way to go. Way to be nasty, Joe. But he did not propose a plan. One of his other one-liners was, This guy's a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. What? Do you mean he has a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn? But that's okay. They'll give him a pass on that. Or the one-liner where he said, Trump should have, instead of in a sand trap at his golf course, he should have been negotiating with nasty Nancy Pelosi on a coronavirus deal. Or how about this wonderful hit? He pours fuel on every single racist fire. Ooh, sick burn, Joe. Not. Of course, Trump shot back with his facts. The fact that he presided over the best black unemployment numbers in the nation's history. The fact that he ushered in historic criminal justice reform, prison reform, opportunity zones, funding for historically black colleges and universities, and that he and his policies got more black men out of prisons on petty charges than anyone before. I especially love the comment that Trump made about, we can't lock ourselves in a basement like Joe does. He has a thing about living in a basement. They should have added, while those black women stock the store shelves. You know what, Joe? <laughs> if you don't vote for Joe, you ain't black, remember? And many of Joe Biden's other famous racist gaffes. Blah, 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 blah. If you are tired of the liberal agenda, you're not alone. This is the Truth Hurts program where we tell it like it is. And here's my commentary, I think, on last night's debate, where Donald Trump sows optimism for a return of our nation to the greatness it held just a year ago, before the pandemic. Joe Biden paints dark hues with a broad brush, exclaiming that we're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter, 
you know, a dark winter. His exact quotes portraying Trump's attitude on the pandemic were, all you teachers out there, not many of you are going to die, so don't worry about it. Come on. We're about to go into a dark winter. A dark winter. I'll give Joe credit for turning Trump's one-liner about learning to live with the coronavirus into his own one-liner. We're learning to die from the coronavirus. That's one for Gropey Joe. We'll give him one. Just one. When it all boils down to the final meal, you must take away this one fact from last evening's debate. If Biden is elected, you should plan to see radical shifts to the far left against the oil and gas industry, fossil fuels as a whole, a shutdown of that entire industry in less than 15 years, according to his plans, if not sooner. Plan also to see massive tax increases, and not just to the 1%, but to everyone. Because I can promise you, if a business owner is being taxed up to 68% of his income, he's going to pass on the cost to the American people as increased prices for goods and services, for materials and labor, and we will see inflation rising to Jimmy Carter-esque levels. To those of you who were not around back then, please take a moment and look up what our economy looked like under the Democrat, liberal, radical Jimmy Carter, who also liked to smile and smirk. You'll see massive tax increases, as well as an increase in the minimum wage, which will put more people out of work. Because if I'm a business owner and I have 15 employees making $10 an hour, and you tell me the minimum wage is going up to 15, I can promise you, I will now have only 10 employees making $15 an hour and working harder. Plan on never finding out anything about Biden's illegal, unethical dealings from which he and his family have benefited to the tune of millions or even billions in places like the Ukraine, Russia, China, and this a stand, that a stand, and every other damn stand. Unless Nancy Pelosi can use that information to impeach him to further her plan to move Camel Toe Harris into the big chair and then hope for an ass ass in Asian of Camel Toe, which would then elevate Nasty Nancy to the big chair. But I might be stretching that conspiracy theory just over the edge. Everyone has their own opinion. Most don't have the guts to share their thoughts. He does. Steve Z is on the air. That's going to do it for this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program. I've got an interesting one coming up for you here in a little while about the World Health Organization and the coronavirus hoax. It'll be out shortly. Until then, have a great day and make it a great weekend. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. 
Hopefully, we have provided you with engaging, enlightening, and educational information that will allow you to make informed decisions. I know you may not necessarily agree with everything I say, and that's okay in America. The right to express your opinion is guaranteed in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Just as I respect your right to your opinion, I expect you to respect my right to my opinion. And that's how it works. If you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, you can either turn it off, or you could listen a little longer and maybe learn something. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2020 Steve Knight Productions. All rights reserved. We'll see you next time.